Good morning. My name is Eric Newcomb, and my family and I have lived in Beijing now for 12 years. Well, we're going on our 12th year. Here's a picture. Uh, my lovely wife, JJ, and we have three awesome kids. Noah is the one that's sitting on my lap. He's eight years old, so the picture is a little dated. Uh, Ian is the little guy right there. He is now uh, turned seven next week, so he's really excited about that. And Ellie is our daughter, and she's five years old. And so we've been living here. Uh, we love Beijing. Uh, all three of our kids were born here, and so this is home to us. We've really enjoyed being able to come to, to Capital and to be able to fellowship and have community with you guys as well. Um, well, picture, if you will, 1999. I don't know what you guys were doing in 1999, but Christmas break 1999. I was working in Pennsylvania at the time, uh, but I was at home in Maryland, where I'm from, on Christmas break, and my girlfriend at the time was, was going to visit with my family. And so all was right with the world. Uh, it, was, it was a beautiful winter day, Christmas Eve. Uh, it was starting to snow a little bit. And, and so I just thought, now is the time. And so the reason why it was an important day is because this was the day that I was going to propose to my girlfriend. And so what I had done is I had went out and bought 12 roses. And I took her to this park. In China, the... Chinese, they have a, a saying, yo shan, yo shui, which means that it has mountains, it has water, it's very beautiful. And so this park was very, very beautiful. And I had this beautiful spot, it was starting to snow, I had these 12 roses, and, and I wanted to propose to, to my girlfriend. And so what I did was, several years prior to actually meeting my girlfriend, I decided I'm going to start praying for the characteristics of my future wife. And so... God led me to 10 different things that I wanted, that I, that I wanted in my future wife. And, and every night, I would pray for those, for whoever this girl would be and what, whatever it would look like and, and everything. And so what I did is I had my 12 roses, and we're walking around this lake. And so I took one rose, and I handed it to her. And I said, you know, one of the things that I really like about you is you have a very strong walk with the Lord. And so then I took the next 10 minutes and I, and I talked about how I've seen that in her life and how that's been an encouragement to me and how it's just she impacts people around her because of her walk with the Lord. And then I took another rose and, and gave it to her and I said, you know, one of the things that I like about you is that you're, you have a great sense of humor. And then I talked about things that I thought were funny that she said and funny that she did and and all these different things. And so what I was doing is going through the list of the ten things that I had prayed for. I handed her another one and I said, you know, one of the things that I appreciate about you is that you're, you're deep, but you're lighthearted. And, and that was a characteristic that I had been praying for my future wife. And so I got done with all ten characteristics. It took me about maybe an hour and a half as we walk around this, this beautiful lake. As I just encourage her and encourage her and encourage her. And so I still had two roses left. So what was I going to do? So I gave her one rose and said, and with this, with this rose, I want to tell you that I love you. And then I still had one rose left. So I got down on one knee and said, with this rose, I want to ask you to be my wife. And you know what she said? She said no. <laughs> so as a single person... At the time, that was not the answer I was going for. But as a single person, there was, for me, there was so much hope that I had 
in being married. I kept thinking, if I could just be married, then my life would be better. I, I, I don't think it's wrong to long to be married. I don't want you to hear me say that. But I love the, I love the song, uh, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand, the line that says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, his righteousness. And so that's what I wanted to talk about today. Or what are the things that we often put our hope in? What is the difference between false hope and real hope? And then how do we, when we put our hope in the right things, what, what are some products of that? So here's some things that, if you can read it, some things that I often put hope in. The first one says after. I don't know if you're like me, but I often find myself doing this. You know, I have to travel next week, but after that, things will get better. So I, so I often put hope in whatever after is. But you know what I realized? There's always something after after. And so I put my hope in, you know, this presentation that I have to give. After that, then things will be better. Well, after the presentation, there's something else the following week that, that I find my heart longing for. And that's because my hope is in the wrong thing. My hope is not supposed to be in something after. I'll be honest with you, I'm still a work in progress. I've caught myself saying, you know, after I teach on Sunday, things are going to be better. <laughs> so even as I wrote this, I felt like God was convicting me on what that would look like. The next thing is, in America, they have a saying, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. I worked as a, a biochemist before moving to China, and I didn't enjoy my job at all. And I just kept thinking, all throughout the week, I would think, what am I going to do this weekend? Am I going to drive back to Virginia Tech, the college I went to, and hang out with my friends there? Am, am I going to, uh, I don't know, where, how am I going to have fun? And that's because I put my hope in the weekend. The next one I think a lot of you parents can relate to, 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock is when my kids go to bed. And so I love my kids. They're great. But throughout the day, I, I just find myself hoping for 8 o'clock. And, and sometimes even earlier, if JJ's like, oh, I'll put the kids to bed. And I'm like, yes, yeah, 745. So, but yeah, I put my hope in that. And, and you know what? That doesn't satisfy because the next day, it's not 8 o'clock. It doesn't last. Another thing I put my hope in is my own abilities. I think that's really easy. I, I have a tendency in my life to try and perform. And so it's easy for me to rely on my own strength and not rely on the Lord's. The next one is, is very similar to what I shared about my life would be better if I was married. You can put whatever you want in there. My life would be better if, if, I, get the, if I got this new job, if I moved back to the States. We put our hope in different things, but the reality is only hope in God satisfies. The other thing is ministry results. I loved what Sam was sharing about South Africa, is, is that it was difficult, but he learned in the midst of that to rely on God. And so, to me, that's an encouragement that, that as we trust him, we don't seek the results, we seek him in the midst of it, and he produces the results. The last thing I often find I put my hope in is relationships. Whether that's uh, my relationship with my wife or kids or other people. But, but ultimately, every, everybody will fail me. I will fail me. JJ will fail me. But God won't fail us. And so that's what we wanted to talk about tonight is, or today is, what do you put your hope in? I think a good way to think about it is, if you're standing on a crowded subway going into Beijing and you're hoping for a seat, 
What do you, what do you daydream about? I know for me, I, I daydream about the Washington Redskins winning the Super Bowl. I'm sure a lot of you are probably like, keep dreaming. But uh, I also dream about, will I be able to buy the new iPhone when it comes out? And, and what will the new iPhone look like? And what are the specs for the new iPhone? And um, I, I consume a lot of my mental energy on things that are, are temporal, things that are of this world that, that don't really matter. But I also realized is I put a lot of my own hope and my own comfort. Uh, I want it to be easier, so I start thinking, well, after this or after that. So what's the result of misdirected hope? I think there's really two things that can happen. The first is I don't get what I hope for, and then I'm, that makes me sad, and, and I lose hope. And the second is I get what I hope for, only to realize that that's not what I needed. It's a false hope. And this second one actually happens to me a lot. I think, oh, if I just had this, or if this just happened, and then it happened, and I realized, you know, that didn't make me any happier. I have my hope in the wrong thing. So why is hope important? And why is there a rat on the screen? Um, I don't know if you guys heard about this study, but to me it's fascinating. Uh, my wife is a, was a psychology major in college, and she, she was the one that told me about it. But in 1957, at Johns Hopkins University, which is a very famous university in America, there was a scientist who wanted to see how long rats could swim. And so what he did is he took a bunch of rats and he put them in a, in a tank of water. And the tank of water had sides so the rats couldn't crawl out and they couldn't rest on anything. And the water was very, very deep. And so they had to swim. And the thing is, is they only swam for about three or four minutes. And then they gave up and, and drowned. To me, I'm thinking, I can tread water longer than three or four minutes. That's, that's not very long. But they lost hope, and, and they died. And so then what the, what the scientist did is he took another set of rats, put them in the same water, and they swam for three or four minutes, and they stopped swimming. But before they stopped, well, after they stopped swimming, but before they drowned, he pulled them out and put them on the ground. And he let them rest a little bit, and then he put them back in the tank. And guess how long they swam for? The second time they swam for over 24 hours. So the first rats, they could obviously swim a lot longer than three or four minutes, but they lost hope. I think humans are a lot like rats. We, need, we are. We, we need hope. I need hope. I know for me, I, I often feel like a rat. I feel like I'm swimming and swimming and swimming, trying to keep my head above water. And, and a lot of the time is, I, I'm just lacking hope. You know, the word hope occurs 52 times in the New Testament. And every single time it occurs, it's in some reference to God. So when we lose hope, we lose, we feel a sense of despair. We feel purpose, purposelessness, and we lack joy. So what is real hope? Hebrews 7, uh, 19 says, There is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. I love this verse because it gives us a real understanding of what real hope is. A real hope helps us to draw near to God. If hope does not draw us near to God, then it probably is a false hope. So what hope helps us draw closer to God? Well, first let's talk about the word hope. I think in English, the word we use for hope actually is very different than the biblical word. 
When you guys think of the word hope, there's often doubt or uh, uncertainty as to whether it will happen. I'll give you an example. Uh, I hope it won't rain next weekend. Well, we don't, we don't actually know that. Or I hope I'll lose 10 pounds. We, we don't know if that's going to happen either. It probably won't. But uh, So in English, there's often this uncertainty or doubt that we have. But the biblical word for hope actually is more of a longing. It's, it's, there is no doubt or uncertainty of what will happen. It's guaranteed. And so when you're reading in the Bible and I talk about hope, it's guaranteed what will happen. It's, so it's kind of like saying, I can't wait for the day that, or I long for the day that this will happen. So it's not us saying, I hope I get this new job. So when you think of hope as you're reading it in the Bible, remind yourself that what it's actually talking about is, is a certainty, a guarantee. You know, 2 Corinthians uh, 4.16 says, So we do not lose ho- our heart, though our outer self is wasted away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Colossians 3 says it this way, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things of this earth. You know, all throughout the Bible you see different things. Second Timothy 2 talks about a, civilian does not, a soldier does not get involved in civilian affairs. Instead, he wants to please his commanding officer. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount taught us to seek, the kingdom, seek first the kingdom of God. Hebrews 12 says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So often I find I, I'm fixing my eyes on the wrong things. My hope is built on other things and not on, not on Christ. So what do I fix my eyes on? What are the things that are unseen? What are the things that are eternal? Well, one thing is God, his love and forgiveness. Lamentations 3 says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You might recognize these lyrics from the, from the old hymn, Great is thy faithfulness. Uh, but what really amazes me is this is in the book of Lamentations. The book of Lamentations is a book of mourning. Jeremiah is mourning the fall of Jerusalem. He is mourning the exile of the Lord's people out of Jerusalem. He's going through a lot of difficulty and trial, and, and he has a lot of issues going on. But in the middle of all of that, he's able to say, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is, great is thy faithfulness. What an encouragement to know that, that God loves us and, and, that, and that will never fail us. Another thing that encourages me is eternal life. Titus 1-2 says, In the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. You know, that 2 Corinthians 4 passage that I read earlier talked about this world having light and momentary affliction. When I was in college, uh, a speaker talked about an illustration about living for eternity. And the way he pictured it was, 
If eternity was all the if you had a line that extended all the way this way for eternity and all the way this way for eternity, where would your life be on that line? And I thought, well, if it's eternity and eternity, whether I live 40 years or whether I live 80 years, my life really is only going to be a dot on that line. And then his next question was, so are you living for the line or are you living for that dot? And that was a really impacting moment in my life. It was a turning point because it helped me realize, you know what? I want to focus all of my time and my talent and my treasure on living for this line. I want to impact eternity and not just this dot. But it was also very, the second thing that happened was it was very comforting. You know, this world really is difficult and I'm struggling and I feel like I'm that rat swimming in the water, but it's a temporary thing. All it is is a dot compared to the eternity. And so for me, there's a lot of hope in eternal life. There's a hope that I will be spending eternity with God. That's pretty exciting. The next part actually is very similar to eternal life. Is Where we spend eternal life is in heaven. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 says, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Now, every time in the Bible when it talks about our, 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 our home on this earth, it's referred to as a tent or something temporary, like a tent, something very mobile and, and, and not permanent. But every time our home in heaven is referred to, it's referred to as a house. And that gives me a lot of comfort. Like I said in the beginning, my wife and I are on our 12th year in Beijing. And I don't know if a lot of you can relate to this, but our landlords are constantly raising the rent. And so we are moving every year or two. And so it's just, it's comforting to know that I have a house in heaven that, that will never change. There's, I think, living overseas, we're so used to transition and, and, and change, and it's tiring. It makes us lose hope. But I have hope in heaven that there won't be change and, and trial there. So what does real hope produce? Real hope produces joy. Like Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations, this I recall to my mind, and I have hope. Real hope also produces peace in our hearts. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast, because he trusts in you. Real hope also helps us walk in the light. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Hope in Jesus satisfies. Hope does not disappoint. I really want to show a video real quick. Um, This video for me, it really moved me when I saw it. It helps me to realize, you know, there's hope, and this hope gives us hope in times of of perseverance and in the midst of trials. Um, So can we go ahead and show the video?
troubles come and my heart burdened be, then I am still and wait here in the silence until you come and sit a while with me. You raise me Powerful stuff, huh? Yeah, I'll be honest. Anything I say, you're probably not going to remember. You're just going to remember the video now. So, his name's Derek Redman. 
YouTube, if, if you want. That's where I got the video. Um, but to me, it, it's so powerful to think, you know, we have a Heavenly Father. We have an Abba Father who's willing to, to come down and help us. Whether we're a rat swimming in the water, treading water, trying to keep our, our head above, or whether we're out on a track running, running life, and, our, and we hurt our leg, or whether we're just overwhelmed with our job, our kids, life, it's difficult. But God, he wants to come down and help us because we have our relationship like, like in the video. I love to picture God now as a, as a large black man who's willing to come in and help me. And uh, he is. He, he really desires to, to, to enter into your life and, and to help you. And we have that privilege because we have that authority because we have a relationship with him. And so if you're sitting here today and you've never asked God into your life, I just want to challenge you to, to really consider that. God loves you. He, he designed you to know him. But because of our own sin, the wrong things that we've done, we've been separated from, from him. But because God loves us so much, even though we have this sin, sin penalty that we have to pay, he sends Jesus to die on, on the cross for our sins, to, to pay that penalty for us. And so for me in my life, you know, I always understood that. I, I always understood that God loved me. I always knew who Jesus was. I always knew that I had wrong. But nobody had ever told me until at a friend's funeral, um, as the pastor got up and said, you need to actually make a step of a choice to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And so for me, that was a huge turning point. That was when I accepted Christ. The example they gave was, if I were to give you a $20 bill, when would that $20 bill become yours? If I say, hey, this is yours, it's still in my hand. It actually doesn't become yours until you take it. And that's what, that's what God wants, is he, he gave, gave his son to die for our sins so that we can take, take that penalty or take that forgiveness that he has. And that gives us hope. That gives us perseverance in the midst of trials. And so today I just wanted to remind you of that. Hopefully you'll walk out of here knowing that, that God really does love you. And he doesn't want you to be drowned in like a rat in the water. And he doesn't want you to be hobbling on the, on the track alone. But that God is there with you and you can always have hope. Thank you.